Hi, uh, I'm Melanie O'Connor. I'm Head of Marketing here at BDO Island and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Pip Hare, who is the eighth woman ever to complete the Vendor Globe Yacht Race and the only female British CEO of an international racing racing team. So one of Pip's key phrases is that more men have walked on the moon than women have completed the Vendor Globe. So Pip is an inspiring role model whose determination, resilience, leadership and endurance have seen her complete one of the toughest ocean races in the world, the Vendor Globe. It is the sailing equivalent of completing the seven summits, the world's highest mountains across seven continents. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Pip. We're absolutely you know, happy to have you here. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. <laughs> so what we'd love to start with is just a bit of a background. So would you be open to sharing a little bit more about where you started your journey? So what was it that had you fall in love with sailing in the first place? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I didn't come from a traditional sailing background. So I grew up in East Anglia, right in the middle of the UK. No water around. I just went to a regular comprehensive school. Um, most of my mates at school were really into live music more than anything. That's kind of what everyone did. Um, and when I was a teenager, um, my parents uh, sent us, as there were four kids in my family, and, and when we each hit 16, they sent us on holiday on our own, um, just to have some time away from the family, kind of just develop, you know, in our own way. And I went on a sailing holiday and just absolutely fell in love with the sport. And I think at that time, as I'm sure you know, most teenagers will agree with, you are at a stage in your life where you're ready. You're ready to grow, to make decisions, to, to challenge the status quo, to take risks, but you're not allowed to. At the age of 16, it's a really hard age because you're just not allowed to do anything really. Yeah. Um, and yet you put someone in a sailing boat and they get to make these incredible decisions. They get to manage risk. They get to decide where they go, how fast they go, you know, what, what effort they put in, all of these incredible um, opportunities. And I just fell in love with the sport then. I loved being outdoors. I'm a very outdoorsy person anyway. Um, I love the responsibility. I could see um, all of the opportunities and from that moment I decided that I wanted to make sailing my career. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. That's that sense of personal agency <coughs> that you get. That's exactly it. Yeah. 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 Mm. So what's the journey been like to from that from that beginning and that love of the sport all the way through to tackling the Vendor Globe in twenty twenty one? Um <laughs> not what I expected. Um I you know, I, I guess I've kind of entered into a lot of what I've done with this incredible naivety, which is nice in a way, because, you know, I didn't believe or realise any reasons why I shouldn't go and get a career in sailing and become successful at ocean racing and all these things. Um, so I left school at 18. Um, I kind of worked out that I needed to get some experience and qualifications got an apprenticeship with a sailing school, moved down to the south coast, and that was in 1992. Now in 1990s, the early 1990s, I would say that female participation in offshore and ocean racing was probably less than 3%. 
Um, and certainly in terms of female skippers, females working on the water, um, same again, I mean, less than 3%, maybe 2 or 1% quite often. Mm. And I wasn't expecting that. I didn't realise that it was an unusual thing to do. Mm. It was just something that I was driven to do. And so I immediately kind of went down to an environment where I was different. I was different in so many ways. I was different because I didn't grow up where everybody else grew up. I grew up in a landlocked county. I was different because I didn't grow up dinghy sailing. I didn't have that background. And then I was a woman and I was a very young woman as well. I was 18, 19 years old. And I think, you know, that was a shock to me. And initially it's kind of, I didn't realize or understand or expect that those would be barriers for me. However, it became fairly clear after a while um, that I wasn't normal. I wasn't the same as everyone else. And my therefore my ability was questioned often, but also my dreams and ambitions were not really accepted by many people. Yeah. Hmm. How did you navigate that? <laughs> um, so I think initially I just I just threw myself at it. I just was determined that somewhere there was going to be a pathway for me. Hmm. Um, and so I just kept trying. I, I tried so many different jobs on the water. And the amazing thing is that I that led me to traveling the world. Yeah. Um, you know, by the time I was 22, I was already living in New Zealand. I'd sailed across three of the world's oceans. I'd racked up hundreds of thousands of miles. I'd tried all different kinds of routes within the sailing industry to try and further my career. And each time I kind of reached a dead end or a blocked door or I couldn't seem to go any further, I just pivoted and I went and, and yeah. tried another way. Um, and, and that actually did give me probably the, the bedrock of the experience that I rely on now. Mm-hmm. Um, but towards my late 20s, early 30s, it really did start to grind me down. Yeah. Then, you know, I was very much... I'd kind of done all of my junior work, you know, yeah. I, I'd done the legwork and I very much was looking for those entry level positions with professional racing teams or the first opportunities to, you know, I was, I was regularly skippering boats offshore, but there were no, there never seemed to be any opportunities for me to join teams or go racing. And, and I think, you know, there were two things there. One is I was, and, and still am, a, quite a shy person I don't I will never big myself up I will never stand on a chair and tell everyone how amazing I am because I believe in demonstrating what I can do not talking about it mm. but let me show you yeah. just let me show you but that's not the way the world works <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I did get quite ground down by it and in my early 30s I kind of stopped I just stopped I didn't stop sailing. Um, I by then I lived on a boat. Um, I was travelling the world, but I kind of packed up this ambition I had to get into serious ocean racing, mm-hmm. and I put it to one side. And I just thought, well, maybe I can 
satisfy this need by just doing as much sailing personally as I possibly can. Yeah. But it just never, it never left me. It was mm. always gnawing away at me. And I think the really big revelation I had was in my mid-30s. And I suddenly realised I was fixating on the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about what I wanted to do. Yeah. Instead of who I wanted to be. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's, you know, I was fixated on, I want to do this race. I want to get this boat, do this race, be on this crew. Mm -hmm. But actually, when you really take that apart, it it was never because I wanted an accolade. It was never because I wanted um, to, to win, you know, respect, admiration. It was because... I believed I had the capacity to be that good and I wanted to develop those skills. Yes. And I wanted to I wanted to take myself as far as I could down that journey. Mhm. And that kind of just really freed me up. Yeah. Because I realized then that um I wanted to I wanted to be the best ocean racer I possibly can be yeah and even if I had a rubbish old boat Mm -hmm. and was competing in a a race that wasn't well advertised or well subscribed I could still take steps to being that good yeah because I just had to acknowledge the framework I was working within yeah and develop myself Mm -hmm. and just not worry about what everyone else was doing yeah and it was so liberating (laughs) (laughs) did that did that real revelation did it change your approach to to your even the way that you showed up at races or in the industry or with Um, your peers so I think it really did and and I I would say I've had a a stealth career if you like um because from that moment, from my mid-30s, I kind of realised that I had to make it all happen myself. And um, I would create my own opportunities. I would define my own success. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, decide at the end of each opportunity I'd created for myself, I would decide if I wanted to take the next step, what the next step looked like. And, and then I knew I had to make that happen. And I started solo ocean racing in 2009. My first race was a race called the All-Star, which is from Plymouth to Newport, Rhode Island. Um, and um, every year, except two, since, since 2009 and um, uh, 2000 and. 19 when I started the Vendée Globe so every one of those 10 years yeah I did something that stretched me further mm. and that took me so from my first solo race to winning a double-handed race overall to my first international solo race yep to becoming the first British person ever to finish that solo race twice uh-huh. yeah um and then I went on to um uh, lead the first ever female team to win the three picks yacht race to be the first ever 
um, duo to finish the three peaks yacht race double handed, and mm-hmm. that's a combination of mountain marathons and running. Oh wow! Yeah. And each time I kind of finished, I thought, could I develop more? Could I be better? Could I continue on this journey? Do I want to stretch myself further? Is there more inside me? And I always said to myself, if the answer's ever no, then fine. Mm-hmm. But but ask yourself this at the end. And if the answer's yes, then the next question to ask yourself is, do you have the emotional and physical energy to go on and take that next step? Mm-hmm. Because it is really hard. Creating your own opportunities is very, very hard. Yes. Um, it's yes. draining. Yeah. <laughs> and each time the answer has been yes and yes and each time I've worked out what the next achievable step for me is and then finally in 2020 um, I I got to the Vendée Globe race um, which was my lifelong ambition Mm. and for me it is the toughest endurance sporting event on the planet Mm but it's also one of the few endurance sporting events where men and women compete on equal terms. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. And I couldn't think of anything that was harder to do. It's single-handed, non-stop around the world in a 60-foot boat. Mm -hmm. It took me 95 days. Um, And I loved the way it challenged me. I loved the never-ending opportunities to do it better that came every hour of every day Mm -hmm. Um, and when I finished that race I said to myself could you do it better what's the next step where are you gonna go (laughs) and it was like hell yes yes (laughs) I'm gonna do that again I'm gonna do it faster I'm gonna do it better yes brilliant brilliant (laughs) I can relate a lot to that and I know there's a lot of a lot of women out there as well that can definitely relate to the story of feeling sort of ground down by the circumstances that they're in or the circumstances that they face or being different in a world that they want to excel in. Uh, you definitely have that real strong drive and resilience. Where did that come from or is that something you build over time? Um, I would say I built it over time. It's, it's learnt behaviour. And I guess there's two things. So one is that when I'm alone on a boat, um, I get the opportunity to just be me. Mm-hmm. And that's warts and all. Yeah. You know, I own my mistakes. Uh, I own my success. All of it. Um, no one is ever going to tell me when I'm alone on a boat, you can't do that. You mustn't do that. I'll do that for you. That's too hard. That's... You know, no one can take it away from you, but mm. also you cannot shy away from it. You yes. might not believe you're capable of climbing a mast in the middle of the ocean, going 30 metres up in the air while the boat's moving. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I don't think I'm capable. <laughs> but somehow I do it. Yeah. Because you have to. Because no one else is going to stop you or even, you know, sometimes out of the... the the kindest of intentions someone will say to you oh, don't don't someone else can do that you yeah. don't need to do that mm. there's someone mm-hmm. better place to do that for you someone yeah. with more skill someone 
know, in, in this whole world, we're kind of always looking for ways to outsource the difficult things because that's yeah. the way the world works. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel that when I'm in the middle of the ocean, you know, and I have slept for one hour in the last 24 hours mm. and my hands are like prunes so so bad that I can't touch things because it hurts mm. and a rope has broken it's the middle of the night I'm scared I'm hungry mm. but I'm the only person that can fix that and all of a sudden this version of me that doesn't exist on the land yeah goes and sorts that problem out and I'm strong and I'm capable and I'm resourceful yeah and I don't always get it right but it was my mistake to make yeah. and I own it. Yes. And that feeling, I don't ever want to lose that feeling. It's the best feeling in the world. Um, the Vendée Globe race was the best three months of my life. Mm-hmm. And I guess because I've had the opportunity to experience that, because I've felt how good it makes me feel about myself, yeah. that drives me through the bits that are difficult and, yeah. and whenever people kind of make me feel like I don't belong or I'm not capable or they doubt my, my ability, I just kind of remember why I'm doing this. Mm. And, and again, it's back to that original statement. It's about who I want to be. Yeah. It's not about what I want to do. Yeah. You know, none of it is about um, any, anybody else's perception of me it's about the freedom yep. to be exactly who I want to be and as a person I'm always driven to find out what more I could do yeah and I love that mm-hmm. yes I can relate <laughs> yeah, very good. I know that from myself and my own elite sporting background and journey there's a lot of transferable skills that you learn through pushing yourself to the limit that actually transfer into business so have you found the skills that you've learned through your sailing career have translated to your role as CEO and what are the key things that you found most beneficial for that role um they have and I must say I am you know the probably the most reluctant CEO that ever walked the planet (laughs) (laughs) I only ever wanted to be a sailor yeah and actually you know what's happened since my last Monday is um I've gone from being kind of a one-woman campaign to having a team Mm -hmm. um and all that that entails and you know we manage sponsorship contracts we're kind of delivering multiple different outputs mm. um it's not just about sailing anymore it's actually about running a small business yeah. um and so initially i kind of was in shock going oh i'm not sure i can do this but actually you're right there are transferable skills massively transferable skills um and i think kind of one of them is around prioritization mm good one really really big yes. thing on a on a yacht mm. so when i'm sailing my boat which would easily absorb 10 people's time you could have a crew of 10 sailing my boat and they'd all be busy yeah so i'm alone i've got all these different things to manage uh, i've got to sleep eat navigate fix things trim sails change sails do my media all of those things mm. So I developed a system of triage effectively to understand which which parts of the job list need to do be done first. Yep. 
and I asked three questions. Am I safe? Am I going in the right direction? Am I going as fast as I can? Safe comes first, direction comes next, yeah. speed afterwards. Brilliant. That really works for business. Very much so, yes. Foolproof <laughs> <laughs> method on it, yeah. That's brilliant. Um, I've got one more question for you. Yeah. And obviously some of, the, some of the people listening to this and watching this will obviously be women who are in leadership positions or aspiring to be in leadership positions in businesses and potentially coming up against this feeling of being different or finding roadblocks or feeling like they're a bit out of place. Um, what would your advice be to people in those positions and women in particular to how to navigate those challenges and never give up on their dreams even when they're ground down by the challenges that surround them? Um, well, I guess the first thing is just to acknowledge the fact that it's not easy. Yeah. It really isn't easy. And, you know, there have been times when parts of me have just wanted to, you know, I just think I've had enough and I can't do this anymore. But I would say just remember why you're in it. Mm. Remember what it is you are trying to gain from this. What, why are you driven? Where are you trying to go? You know, what does it give to you? Um, and how does that make you feel? Um, and and I think you know those feelings, the, the the surety of those feelings, will take you through the difficult bits. Yeah. But also, um, I guess embracing everything about your differentness. Nice. It's only something that I've learnt to do. Yeah, over time, you know, initially I just wanted to be the same as everyone else. Yeah. I really did. Because I perceived them to be good at what they did. Yeah. They were good at what they did. But I realised, you know, ocean racing, I realised I can't do what they do. I'm not the same shape. I'm not the same size. I don't have the same physique. Yeah. But I do have this. Yeah. I do have an attention to detail. I do have the ability to think clearly through problems before I go ploughing in. You know, all of those different things. And actually, yeah. they will make me successful, but my path to success will look different. Yeah. But it's mine. And mm -hmm. so I have to embrace it. That's brilliant. And there's an element of playing to your strengths in there as well, which I think is yeah. good. Owning your strengths and playing to them. Absolutely, and not yeah. And up on who you are. Well, yeah. it's so good. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. You're an absolutely inspiring person and wanted that thank I get to you. speak with you. <laughs> thank you. So thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate having you on. Yeah.